Hello, and welcome to episode 38 of The Far Away Nearby. I am your host, DJ Starsage, and we are joined by a very special guest. Ladies and gentlemen, the Princess Micah of Tall Faucets. Greetings and salutations. Hello, Princess. How are you? I am good. How are you? I'm doing pretty all right. So here we are in the land of far and near once again. So what have you been up to? Inquiring minds want to know. <laughs> Well, um, as we talked about our last episode, I uh, celebrated my birthday, and that was a lot of fun. Um, the princess was thrown a party and uh, at a friend's castle, and uh, we had a great time. We had some live music going and uh, played some games, so it was that was really nice. It's been a week of birthday celebration. <laughs> Very fun. Now, I think I, you mentioned to me that another friend of yours and you have your birthday. Is it the same day or the same weekend? The same day. Oh, wow. Yes, yes. Now, are, uh, are you the same age or is there just a few years apart? She's a few years younger than me. Oh, okay. So you got some competition going there. <laughs> yes. Yes. And she does not let me forget it. <laughs> oh, now have you, have you and your friend known each other long? We've known each other for a few years now. Uh -huh. So you, you knew enough to, to pick a place and, you know, you knew probably what each other likes to do for fun. Well, we kind of did separate uh, celebrations. I had a party, um, my own party, and then she had a brunch. Mm -hmm. So um, she's a bit younger than me. Um, and I also realized that I cannot stay up nearly as late as I used to. So that was a discovery. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> now, uh, what, what kind of uh, snacks and goodies did you have at this get together? Well, we had a dessert theme. So um, my favorite uh, combination is chocolate and peanut butter. So there was a uh, Reese's cake that was delicious. It was, it was not as rich as it sounds, but um, it was a chocolate cake with um I believe it was the peanut butter filling, but it was a lighter, fluffier kind of filling. Um, and that was really good. We had cookies. Uh, one of my friends actually made these cupcakes. They are um, they were lemon with lavender frosting. Ooh. So they were pretty and they were tasty. Um, and we just had a bunch of other, you know, delectable sweets, treats and things. Um, so I was definitely on a sugar high. Ah, well, I was say chocolate and peanut butter is one of my favorite combinations. My dad spent a few years as a baker when uh, he and mom were first married. You know, every Christmas, dad would make a batch of a big batch of peanut butter cookies, and um, you know, we we all seem to have that taste for peanut butter. And in mm -hmm. the holidays, my eldest sister Ronnie, she made. Um, some chocolate peanut butter candies. Have you ever had something called a Buckeye? 
Oh, I love those. That's the chocolate. It's the peanut butter balls with the chocolate covering. Yes. And oh my gosh, they're the best. I don't remember her ever making them before, but she mm-hmm. made them this holiday season. Uh-huh. And they were so rich. I, <laughs> I could have taken the whole platter, but I stopped myself. <laughs> right. <laughs> have to practice a little self-control. Yes, absolutely. So <laughs> you had your birthday and you shared it with a good friend. Fringe. Anything yes. on the horizon for the new year? Anything you are planning on doing? Um, I'm just kind of seeing where life takes me. Hopefully within the next few months, I'll be able to go on a little vacation or something like that. I'd love to go somewhere warm. Yeah. Has it been a while since you've been out of town? It has been. It has been quite a while. Yeah. So I'm definitely overdue. I know the feeling all too well and it's been a couple of years so I'm just going to be happy to get out of town for a weekend which we'll be doing shortly we're going to be going down to Maryland with Toffee Smelly and Hubby's best friend who we call Tommy so but to turn the tables for a moment I had quite an eventful week which uh, some of you will be able to hear about if you tune into my other show Surely You Just but to fill in the princess, my husband had a long-awaited surgery on Thursday. How is Billy doing? He's doing better. You know, he's still sore. Of course, the surgery is going to take a while to heal from because they actually do an incision. He uh, started off, off the holidays with an infection, and uh, it made his underarm area sensitive. And apparently that's something that's... Um, that can get quite serious because that's part of your body's immune system ability to fight off infection. Right. When that starts showing signs of swelling and soreness, um, the doctors are really concerned because it could make you vulnerable for other things. He noticed uh, within the, the next day that the other tender areas were starting to improve because that's all connected you know mm-hmm. like your, your, your neck area your underarms anywhere that you have kind of a tickle spot where your, oh, your skin's okay. more sensitive and mm-hmm. so um it was reassuring to him because he's been sore all over essentially um, mm. you know ever since that started so we're, we're hoping that this will be a sign of better things to come, although it's going to be a few days before they have the, the lab results in, because the doctor did this surgery so that he could make sure that, well, not to get too dark, but to make sure that there wasn't anything worse hiding out there. Absolutely. Better safe than sorry. Yeah, and especially since nobody these days is is free of those scary signs. You know, everybody Mm -hmm. has something in their family to be afraid of. Absolutely. Mama Billy has been on his case because she said, are you sure you can go back to work the next day? And, Mm. you know, he told a little bit and he said that, of course, it was fine. But he's he's behaving himself as best he can and and staying at the cash register and not lifting heavy things for at least a few weeks. Wish him the best. Thank you. Well, the the Valentine's season will shortly be upon us, and the princess and I decided that we were going to talk about some 
good movies to recommend, some date night movies, as it were. So, um, the princess won the coin toss, and we'll start off by talking about her first pick. So, indulge us, if you will, princess. What's the first movie that you want to pass on to our listeners? Is a good date night movie. So, um, the first movie I wanted to pass, I wanted to talk about. Um, I just found on Netflix. It's a new ad. Uh, to Netflix. It's called The Incredible Jessica James. Um, and this movie caught my attention because of the actress, uh, Jessica Williams. Um, I don't know if you've ever watched The Daily Show, but um, she is a contributor on that show and she's done some pretty funny sketches. Um, and so I was like, hmm, let me check this out. Um, so basically I, I ended up really liking this movie. It's, uh, the, the description is an aspiring playwright in New York strikes, strikes up a friendship with a guy while on the rebound from a breakup. And, uh, from the first scene, I was laughing my behind off. Um, she's on a date with somebody and she's a very no nonsense kind of character, and uh, I don't know if you're familiar with any of the dating apps since you've been uh, married since the beginning of time, but uh, they have these things called Tinder and Plenty of Fish and um, all these these different you know ways for people to meet nowadays, um, which I have indulged in myself as well. Um, so I could really relate from from the get go, and she's just kind of not having a great time on the date. So she makes sure to let the date know that it's not going so well. And just in a very comedic way, as the story develops, uh, she had uh, recently broken up with a boyfriend of a couple of years. Now she's just kind of going through the motions of life. She's a playwright, so she's also struggling. She teaches some kids and, you know, she's trying to get a play going. And then her friend sets her up on a blind date with a gentleman played by Chris O'Dowd. And I've I've seen him in other movies. I can't quite... He's I've seen him in other films as well. So he's a familiar face. And they have a, a great chemistry, witty banter. And, you know, the ex-boyfriend pops up here and there. And she's, she's trying to get over her ex. He's trying to get over his ex-wife. And they kind of bond over that initially. And then the movie takes off from there. So I don't want to give too much away, but I picked it as a date night movie. I think it's a nice movie to watch with maybe a new love interest. It's funny. It's light. It's not too serious, but there's definitely some romantic moments that could, you know, maybe give you some ideas or it's just, you know, nice little way to get to know people, start a conversation. So I really enjoyed it. So that was that was my first pick. And when did this movie come out? This movie came out in 2017. So, and I think it was just recently added to Netflix. Oh, okay. So it was just in the last year that this came out? Exactly. Yep. Oh, okay. And now without giving any spoilers, of course, mm-hmm. what would you say was probably your, your favorite part of the movie? Maybe what made you laugh? Um, my favorite part of the movie was uh, Jessica's character because she she was just too funny and very real and authentic. It felt more like a conversation. She's very feminist and uh, at one point she goes home for a visit with her family and 
she starts, she gives her sister a book that's uh, basically for her newborn child, but it's very, how do I say it, like anti-patriarchal and it has a lot of like life lessons in it that you wouldn't normally think is for a child, um, but that's just kind of her personality. So that's, she, it was definitely a character that made me fall in love with her. So so would you say that it's the sister that's kind of a pill? Yes, yes. The sister isn't in the movie much. She's in some scenes, but Jessica is a little bit more outlandish and outgoing. And the sister is more of like the prim proper type. So she, so she thought by giving her the book that she put in her two cents. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. She's definitely not shy about that. And if you had to uh, rate this on a scale of one to five, where would you put it? I would probably put it at about a three and a half or four. It, I mean, it follows the cliches of a romantic comedy, you know, boy meets girl, boy and girl have, you know, great fun, boy and girl get into some sort of misunderstanding, boy and girl reconnect. It's also, but it's not your stereotypical, oh, woe is me, female that necessarily needs a man. She very can stand on her own two feet. So I enjoyed that as well. So since you said about three and a half or four, if you had a choice between this and watching reruns of Seinfeld, you'd probably pick this. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not much of a rerun girl, though, so. Okay, well, um... The the princesses movies and my movies are a little different, but I'm gonna go from my oldest pick to my most recent release because uh, mine go back a few years. So the first movie that I'm gonna talk about is one that came out in 2001. So this stars Meg Ryan, who everyone will remember from Harry Met Sally, of course. You know, so she is essentially the queen of the romantic comedy. This also stars Hugh Jackman now. You know who that is. And I'm sorry, I'm a sucker for an accent. Oh, of course. (laughs) Anything with Hugh Jackman. Absolutely. So this is the 2001 film called Kate and Leopold. Meg Ryan's character is a, a woman of the world. She doesn't have everything she wants because she's victim to that identity that that she should be in charge, that she makes the decisions when in reality she just wants a decent human being to be part of her life. Mm-hmm. She meets the Duke of Albany and he sweeps her off her feet and she's faced with that reality that he's not on her time. Mm-hmm. Through a course of of uh, events, she has to make some decision because a friend of hers that introduces the two uh, explains to her that this man is from the past, and uh, she eventually sees some pictures that makes her question, uh, how does she know this man? It's very charming because there are all these kind of um, symbols in the movie, all these concepts that they explore, like uh, you know, a man from Victorian times, he is just exploring the household. He's trapped in this apartment because he's been told you can't go out because, you know, the, the, the modern world will realize he's a man that's been plucked out of time. Right. And um, 
So he's just exploring the kitchen in this house and, you know, he has a toaster, you know, it, it plugs into the wall, makes toast. And of course it makes the smoke alarm go off because, you know, nothing works right nowadays. He, he complains, of course, to uh, Meg Ryan's character, who is Kate, and he tells her, toast always burns. You have to put it down twice in this machine when it really <laughs> needs only one and a half. <laughs> she, she tells him, well, you know, maybe in your time you could fix that, but, you know, we nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's just... Um, kind of a culture thing where he explains that they take pride over things in his time. You know, people mm. think before they speak. And it's mm. it's very charming because Meg Ryan's character, who is a businesswoman in this advertising agency, she spends her day busy going over products and coming up with ideas for things. And she can't figure out how to to present this this one account that she's been given and it's suddenly the eye just lands in her lap she's got this man from victorian times who's practically royalty and because it's hugh jackman he can speak like he's a shakespeare theater player right (laughs) so every word out of his mouth is just a rose petal she, she gets the idea that he needs to be the face of this product that they're selling now farmer's bounty and that just gives you images of the countryside and cows and you know america's heartland well he appears on the set and he's about to do the ad and he's all dressed up there about ready to say that this is the best thing on the face of the earth and then he bites into the scone and then he says Oh, good God, what is this? <laughs> this is a good date night movie because it uh, kind of explores stereotypical gender roles. You're talking about a period of Victorian times where, you know, women didn't go to work. And I would say that on a scale of one to five, I would probably say that it's a good four because... You know, it has irresistible actors in it. Hugh Jackman mm-hmm. for the eye candy and the accent. Right. And Meg Ryan for the sharp wit. Kate and Leopold is available on Hulu. Sounds great. I might actually have to check that one out now. Yeah. So my next pick um, is a little unusual. I'm a fan of horror movies, which some of you may or may not know. I had to have a horror movie on this list because I feel like they're good for a date night so you can cuddle up and be scared and have, you know, a nice prince or duke to protect you. So the one that I picked is It Follows. It came out in 2014. It is also on Netflix. So this movie is about um, a young girl. I think she's a teenager. She um, gets, she's followed by some unknown entity after she has a sexual encounter with her boyfriend at the time. It's, uh, 
you know, set in, it, it has kind of like this um, almost 80s kind of vibe to it, even though it's not set during that time period. It's basically, you know, a teenage girl likes this guy. They have a sexual encounter. And the next day she wakes up and she's tied to a wheelchair. And he explains to her that um, there's this entity that he got after a one night stand. And the only way that he can get rid of it is by passing it on to someone else. And the only way that she can get rid of it would be to pass it on to someone else. Now she's caught with this dilemma and also this thing psychologically torturing her and physically following her around. Now, you don't really know what the entity is. Uh, it's it's kind of creepy and spooky. Um, she has some friends that she lets in on it, and they're kind of trying to figure out a way to get rid of it without her having to give it to someone else. Now, like I said, this is a little bit of an unusual pick. It's been a little while since I've seen the movie, but I remember hearing about it and thinking, hmm, that's an interesting concept for a movie. And there's uh, been a lot of comparisons drawn to, you know, the the idea that it's like an allegory for like STDs. Okay. Or HIV and AIDS, mm-hmm. um, which obviously, you know, you can't, uh, you can transmit things, but you can't get rid of them by transmitting them I don't think that I'm aware of but there's there's a lot of lot to talk about here especially in the context of modern dating and hookup culture things like that um, practicing safe sex I, I had a conversation with some um, friends not too long ago where it's kind of like you know everybody's just doing what they want it's there was you know a time period where people were very concerned about STDs and safe sex in this modern world it's almost like it's gone backwards yeah. if that makes sense you know I think it I think it brings up the topic I think you know if you're watching it with your date you might think twice about using protection um so yeah that was my that was my second pick <laughs> mm-hmm. so how would you rate that on a one to five um I really enjoyed it I would probably give it about a three okay you know it's it's not like the best movie ever but it's definitely different it's a different concept so for that I that's you know one of the reasons that I picked it mm-hmm. it tackles subject that I think is really important and sometimes you have to serve people you know, a dose of reality <laughs> what i find interesting is that the the main star of the film shares your name micah yes isn't that funny i know <laughs> i swear that's not why i picked that <laughs> <laughs> so what would you say is probably your favorite moment in the movie it's honestly been a while since i saw that movie i had to refresh my memory so aside from a one to five would what date would you say this would be? Is this uh, considering that it's a it's a little um, intimate? Probably not the first date, right? Like maybe a second or a third date. Yes, I'd say second or third. You know, whenever you're at that point that you would watch a movie in the comfort of your own home. Let's see, my next favorite pick for a date night movie is a film that came out in 2008. This is a movie called Were the World Mine. Now, 
It was in part produced by the Logo Channel. Back in the day, that's where uh, RuPaul got his start with the drag race. It started on the Logo Channel. Oh, yeah, that's right. I remember that. Yeah, and they used to show independent programming. You used to be able to see kind of see movies. And, you know, nowadays, sadly, the Logo Channel has just turned into a reality TV station, which brings me to talk about where I found this movie. Were the World Mine is available on a couple of services. Now, sadly, it's not available on Netflix. I decided to try out a service called Deku. Now, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, but it's spelled D-E-K-K-O-O. This is one of those services that you can add on to Amazon Prime if you already have it, or you can get it by itself. There's an app. Where the World Mine is a 2008 film uh, starring Tanner Cohen, who is an aspiring theater actor and singer. And this is actually one of his first roles. And the title is a play on words because it's actually from the Shakespeare play A Midsummer Night's Dream, which this is based upon. I thought it was an unusual title. (laughs) Yeah, and so this is a pick for myself because if you are of a a gay or lesbian persuasion or maybe you're questioning, this would be a good date night movie because the young man in the title role is somebody who has not really come out of the closet to all of his friends. And he's sort of the only gay in the village, uh, so to speak. He and his mom have moved to a new town. They're starting over after a divorce. He's making friends, but he doesn't quite fit in because he's going to an all boys school. So, you know, his mother is trying to do her best to provide for her child because she's putting him through private school on her own tab. He's not quite fitting in until he meets that one person that takes an interest in him, which in this case is a teacher, which I feel I can identify with because when I was growing up in the country as a young gay man who hadn't come out yet, Uh I had some support from one of my teachers who come to find out later on was lesbian herself. In Were the World Mine, the, the main character is uh, kind of a diamond in the rough. His English teacher is trying to put on a production of A Midsummer Night's Dream, and it's an all-male school. So, just like in the days of Shakespeare, where all the actors were men, they had to explore uh, in the reality that sometimes you just play your part. It doesn't matter if you're right for it or not. You just learn your lines and you you know, you walk the walk and talk the talk. And uh, back in the day, of course, when uh, Shakespeare was in vogue, um, the uh, the actors playing the roles were mostly men, so you might see uh, a movie like uh, Little Women, where the women played the men's roles. But of course, it was actually the the opposite uh, in the day that the men also played the female parts. So, anyways, uh, the young man is coming to terms with his identity, and this English teacher is putting on this play. And he's having all these daydreams because, of course, 
he's surrounded by men his age. Uh, well, in this case, boys, because they're all teenagers. And he has these illicit and wild daydreams of these, uh, these young boys who are just very in shape. And, you know, they, they may not necessarily give him the time of day, but it, it's very much alike what I would imagine it's like to be, you know, a girl coming into her own and, and to, uh, you know, imagine whether or not she feels like she's getting noticed. So uh, in that way, it's it's kind of a good film for, for all audiences. But um, the great part about this is that part of the character that the, the lead is playing in this is Huck. Who is you know he's a he's a an imp a nymph he's a a um, a little fairy that goes through life playing tricks on people so he's a prankster and uh-huh. in the story he has this flower that he can spray people with and they instantly fall in love with the first person they lay their eyes on oh that could be dangerous. Exactly. (laughs) He has a lot of fun because he's in an all-boys school, and now he's able to turn the tables on his classmates so they know what it's like to go through life attracted to the same sex. But, uh, you know, that that, um, kind of uh, backfires on him because now he's got several guys that are following him that he knows couldn't give him the time of day normally. Mm-hmm. And um, they're actually fighting over him. So uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just a very fun film because his mom in the beginning isn't really very accepting. And she ends up taking a job selling cosmetics. And she ends up having to decide that she's going to support her son because she's in a small town. And, you know, word gets around. So, you, you know, you might as well face the music. And it's just great because before the movie is over, his mom's boss, who's a very conservative woman, gets sprayed with a flower also. And the son says to her, try taking a walk in my shoes. (laughs) (laughs) Before the movie is over, you know, they, they, of course, uh, the whole town is falling in love with each other and calamity ensues because, you know, it's now Sodom and Gomorrah. And um, the teacher has to to make things right. She has to, you know, approach the uh, the young man and tell him, "You've had your fun now. Everything needs to go back to normal." You know, I won't spoil the ending, but there is a surprise in store when he learns that somebody who he thought uh, wouldn't pay attention to him actually does care. And one of the the best parts of this movie, aside from the the lighting, because there's a lot of brilliant color, is um, the English teacher. And she's kind of a no-name in terms of TV and film. Until you look her up now, I I don't have her name handy, but she ends up being a soap opera star of many years. Okay. And even though she's not really a recognizable person, she has this presence on screen where you pay attention to her every time the camera's on her. And mm. she's just a wonderful character because she's kind of a, well, she's kind of a sorceress. She's got this power to inspire the children through doing the play. And she hands out these, you know, the, the playbooks. So you, you have to wonder if she had something to do with 
everything that happens from there after because the kids are all looking at these books and the the words come to life and from there on in there but um <laughs> you know i can go on and on of course and i have it's a 2008 movie where the world mine uh i found it on deku you can probably find it a couple of other places and the other part <laughs> i was going to mention real quick is that uh, i was very surprised to find out that this stars a celebrity's daughter and it is zelda williams is robin williams's daughter oh, okay she is well known to be openly bisexual. Mm -hmm. so this was kind of a supportive role for her because she wanted to appear in this to support the gay and lesbian community. And I would probably say that on a scale of one to five, this would be a four for me. Okay, that's good. Princess, I do believe that this last movie you're going to talk about is something from a recent viewing and... I think that you, you you might have had a knight on a white horse come to fetch you for this. Yes, I did indeed. Uh, it's actually funny that you brought up Robin Williams um, because this movie isn't starring Robin Williams, but there was a similar movie that came out in 95 called Jumanji. Uh, there's also a new Jumanji that just came out. Um, and I went to go see that last night with a gentleman suitor. Uh, so I decided that that would be my final date night pick since I had a date night. So this movie uh, is, you've probably seen a lot of previews for it. Uh, it's still out in theaters. It has, it stars Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Kevin Hart, Jack Black, and you may remember Karen Gillian from Doctor Who. Absolutely. <laughs> One of the best companions ever. Yes. Um, and her, her character's name is actually uh, Martha in the movie, but um, which was another Doctor Who companion, but that's a side note. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so there's a lot of um, famous faces in this movie. You know, I saw the previews. I thought it looked pretty funny, and it was actually a lot more enjoyable than I thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. If you're familiar with the concept of Jumanji, there's uh, a video game instead of a board game in this version but uh it's the same concept you know they um these high school kids get uh, detention for various reasons and they get assigned to clean up an old storage unit and in that storage unit they find a video game console and as you know kids do they decide to hook it up and play instead of work <laughs> and they end up getting sucked in uh, the video game as the characters that they selected. So um, this is, uh, so they're basically stuck in a video game and the only way out is to restore a jewel to the, it's like an idol. So they have to restore it to the mountain and begrudgingly, they know that the only way in order to complete the game and get back to their normal lives is to do this mission that they've been sent on. They have to restore Jumanji to its former glory. There's always a, a, an evil villain. So the evil villain that stole the jewel from the mountain, uh, now they have to get obtain it and then also restore it to the mountain and they can restore Jumanji and get home. 
So uh, the kids, the young actors that are in the movie, when they're sucked into the video game, they become these uh, different characters. So there's one character, Spencer, he's kind of a nerdy boy, never, never kissed a girl, you know, socially awkward, but he's very smart. And he, uh, his character is played by Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Um, so suddenly he transforms into this big, um, you know, muscle mountain man, Dr. I think he's Dr. Brave Bravestone in the movie. And he's kind of the, he has no weaknesses and he can run and climb and do all these things that, you know, this Spencer in real life could never do. Kevin Hart plays a scientist. He's a zoologist. And um, the character of Fridge, who was this football player that um, Spencer knew and had uh, helped with some papers, he gets transformed into Kevin Hart. Hart's character, the zoologist, who is actually small and diminutive and doesn't really do anything other than be the rock sidekick. Um, he's not very fast. And uh, so it's so it's kind of a role reversal for them, too. The girls that are in there, Martha, she's a little nerdy and shy, and she has a romantic vibe with Spencer. But since both of them are shy and awkward, of course, they don't say anything to each other. But so she gets transformed into Karen Gillian, who is a killer of men. And, you know, she's just the bombshell kind of character that can fight and run and do all these crazy moves and you know she's not used to using her womanly uh, nature to her advantage <laughs> so and then the funniest character in my opinion uh, is this young girl Bethany who when she gets in the game she accidentally picked uh, Dr. Shelley which was short for Sheldon uh, who was played by Jack Black oh so, and Bethany is very, she's very vapid. She takes a lot of selfies. You know, she's very, you know, pretty, kind of like the hot girl. And then she turns into Jack Black, who, if you're familiar with Jack Black, is an overweight middle-aged man. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, and it's, it's, Jack Black is great in it because he can really, he really embodies that character mm -hmm. as, you know, Jack Black. So it leads to a lot of, a lot of funny. It's great, like I said, to laugh with your date. It's good for a first date, second date, um, just getting to know someone. There's uh, some pretty funny moments. So there's an appearance by, I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, the Jonas Brothers, mm -hmm. Well, they're not really together anymore, but Nick Jonas, uh, he also makes an appearance in there. And there's a whole host of other celebrities that are mixed in there. But it's a funny movie. I recommend it. And that's it for my picks. And uh, on a scale of one to five, where would you put it? You know, since I just saw it, I'm like, I'm thinking it's a five oh. just because it made me laugh. So it made me laugh a lot harder mm -hmm. than I thought it was going to. Now, since Dwayne Johnson and Nick Jonas are in it, um, do either of them get shirtless? <laughs> oh, well, you know, I guess you'll just have to watch it and find out. Oh. But <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, we're going to round things out with my last pick. And this is the most recent film on my list. Now, quite interestingly, this movie came out the year that I met my husband. In fact, it actually has a little bit of crossover in it in that 
the star of this film was also in the movie that my husband and I went on our first date to. Oh. So, um, that was the 2009 J.J. Abrams film Star Trek. Oh, and hey. <laughs> the, uh, the actor that was in both this and that film was Eric Bana. So I'm talking about the 2009 film The Time Traveler's Wife. The Time Traveler's Wife was, uh, as many good movies, originally a book. The author wrote this in, uh, oh, about 97, 98, or at least started writing it. It was released as a book, I know, and I want to say 2003, and it reached the bestsellers list. The Time Traveler's Wife is the debut novel of American author Audrey Niffenegger. It was published in 2003, <laughs> and it's a love story about a man with a genetic disorder that causes him to time travel unpredictably. Now, at the time that this came out, the author, of course, made a bunch of appearances and discussed the premise of the story. And essentially, she based the time travel element on the fact that her father was one who traveled a lot for business. Mm -hmm. So that kept her mother and father apart, and they eventually ended up divorcing. So her own life story was the inspiration for this. This film stars Australian-born hottie Eric Bana. And he was fresh off the set of the 2009 Star Trek film. I read a little bit of trivia on this. He filmed The Time Traveler's Wife first. However, just like a lot of movies, they ended up having to reshoot some of the scenes after they did some of the editing. Eric Bana had actually shaved his head for the role in the Star Trek film. They had to wait for months for his hair to grow back out. And this movie also stars an actress that you will probably remember, Rachel McAdams. Oh, yes. I love her from Mean Girls. Yes. The princess. Regina George. Yes. (laughs) The princess was just telling us in our introduction to her that Mean Girls is one of her favorite movies. Eric Mana's character is named Henry. He's a librarian. And he has this unexplainable genetic mutation that involves time traveling. And the first time this happens is when he's a little boy and he's in the car with his mother. And it all just happens in slow motion because he witnesses the car accident that ends up taking his mother's life. And from the back seat of the car, the little boy starts disappearing, kind of like in Back to the Future when you see the people disappearing from the photo with Marty and his family. So that's when he discovers that he has this ability to time travel. But unlike many stories that have time travel in it, this is sort of a curse because he can't control it. So he he goes through life not knowing how long he's going to be in a setting or he's going to be able to know people before he disappears again. Now, the unfortunate consequence of that is actually a little bit of titillation for the viewer because Eric Bonnet gets naked in this movie. <laughs> and just like, yes, just like Arnold Schwarzenegger in Terminator, apparently to time travel, you have to strip down. <laughs> it's a very heartwarming movie because uh as i said the author wrote the story on this based upon her parents 
relationship where her father was traveling, not to spoil the movie for you, but as you watch it, you realize that he goes through life experiencing moments out of order. He, uh, he ends up revisiting the time that he uh, lost his mother to the car accident and uh, kind of like Groundhog Day, where he ends up repeating the same day over and over again. Oh, yes. <laughs> but uh, at one point in time, he's actually sitting at the diner outside the intersection before his mom is in the car accident. So he's able to look out at the street and see the car with him as a boy pass by. Very powerful movie because it lets you, it, it gives the, uh, the viewer the chance to realize that we certainly take life for granted. Um, you know, again, not giving spoilers, but there's a moment in the movie where Eric Bana's character is traveling on a subway train and he's an adult at this point. And uh, he's just appeared there just like several moments throughout the movie. And suddenly he's on this train and there's a woman there who's clearly just leaving her work day. And uh, she's got a newspaper, and she's reading it. And when she sets the newspaper down, he realizes that he's run into his mother before he lost her. And so he's presented with this opportunity to get to meet his mom at relatively the same age as her. And, of course, he can't tell her that she's his mother. So he just tries to have a conversation where, um, you know, they have something in common Mm-hmm. that he's met a girl and that he's in love and uh, of course she she senses something between them she doesn't know it's a, her son but as he's leaving the train she looks up to him and tells him to make sure that that lady knows how he feels about her so mm-hmm. it's, it's definitely a good date movie uh, I would say even a first date because even though you go through his life and you eventually meet love of his you mm-hmm. get to experience how you know your your date experiences life how they deal right. with certain scenarios and their range of emotions and you know not having either of my parents with me anymore mm-hmm. that scene where he got to meet his mother mm-hmm. on the subway train was really powerful i won't lie it brought me to tears so definitely mm-hmm. check out the time traveler's wife from 2009 during eric Bana and Rachel McAdams. I would say that on a scale of one to five, this is a five for me. And I want to thank my niece Kay for um, introducing me this to this movie because uh, she's someone that uh, in younger days always had her nose in a book. And, uh, just like the uh, the movie she ended up naming her daughter after a character in a book. Oh, yeah. So, um, alrighty, princess. Those are our top picks for date nights. Um, do you have any uh, wisdom you'd like to pass on to our listeners as they move into the Valentine's Day holiday? Any any um, favorite parts about Valentine's Day? You know, it's been a couple of years since I had someone to celebrate with, but I'd say for Valentine's Day, you know, just 
enjoy it. Whether you're single or you're not, as a single girl, sometimes it can be a little difficult when you see other people being romantic. But, you know, just remember that you have your friends and stay positive and you don't need a man to make the day special. I know some of my girlfriends like to get together and have our own little, you know, girls date night. So, you know, that's always a possibility. Or, you know, just take a nap and and sleep through it and you'll be fine. Buy yourself some flowers. It's not weird. (laughs) Make yourself your own Valentine. For sure. Because, you know, RuPaul once said... If you can't love yourself, how in the hell are you going to love somebody else? (laughs) On the married guy aspect of things, my words of wisdom that I pass on to you, don't take your loved one for granted. No matter matter how many years you've been together, treat every Valentine's Day like it's your first date together. Because even though my husband and I have been together for eight years, I do not let an occasion pass and I get flowers for his birthday, for our wedding anniversary, and for Valentine's Day. And no, they are not the same flowers because if you read up on it, each flower has an occasion and there is such a thing as timeliness and appropriateness. So, okay, well, want to thank the princess again for her time. My pleasure. The next, the next time you hear from me will be an episode of Surely You Jest, and I'll be filling you in on my time before we head out to Maryland. So, thanks again for listening, folks. Thank you for listening to The Far Away Nearby. You can find this show wherever you listen to podcasts. Find our fan page on Facebook and our companion blog on Tumblr. Email us at tfnpodcast at gmail.com. Tweet us at tfndj and text or leave a message at 720-230-6919. Unified. Unique. Voices. Unified. Unique. Voices. A network of inclusion. Univospods.net